But in China, it's a little bit different. And because perhaps of the price and the cost dynamics in the industry, you have this environment where working for a software company is a pretty grueling experience where you're working long hours, you're working well into the night, and you're struggling to survive. Welcome to China Biz Connect, the podcast that explores the fast-changing landscape of business-to-business sales and marketing in China with your hosts, Tim Lindemann and Michael Bragan. Today, I'll be interviewing Tim about his experience setting up and managing the China business for Dimensional Insight, a leading business intelligence software company in the fields of healthcare and beverage alcohol. Tim, let's get started. All right. Well, first, could you begin by telling us a little bit about the company, Dimensional Insight? Sure. Dimensional Insight is a data analytics software company based in Boston, Massachusetts. We're a fairly small organization. We have about 130 staff worldwide. We've been in business since 1989 with no external funding, and we've grown organically. We have an extensive international distributor network including offices in the Netherlands, Norway, and Guangzhou, China. Uh, in the United States, we focus on the healthcare and beverage alcohol industries, and we excel at getting data out of disparate systems, integrating that data, and then building custom solutions for our customers. Okay. So what made you interested in the China market? Well, in about 2003... Our co-founders, Fred Powers and Stan Zanarati, made a visit to China, and I happened to meet them there because at the time I was working for Yungyo, which is a large ERP vendor in China, a Chinese company. And I was responsible for business development where I was looking for international partners who had some leading technology that perhaps we could distribute and mix together with our solution for Chinese customers. Dimensional Insight was one of the companies that I was following. And Fred and Stan were working with the Massachusetts Export Center, and they had arranged a bunch of meetings in China and we were one of them. As I understand, Fred and Stan at the time were in the process of an international expansion. They had just expanded into Australia, and they were very interested in the China market. This was at a time where a lot of companies were very interested in China. There was a big boom in terms of interest in the market, as well as interest in outsourcing staff to China. So this was a really good time to be in the business of finding partners like I was doing. I see. So that's kind of the backstory. Did you do any market research or conduct analysis or due diligence before setting up your office in China? I wish. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I really, I really wish we had. Uh, I have to be honest at, at the time, I was really eager about the opportunity and I really wanted Dimensional Insight to come to China and I wanted to work with Dimensional Insight because I really felt this was a company that 
I could work for for a long time. And I was right about that because I've been working with Dimensional Insight ever since. And so I did a very good job selling the opportunity to Fred and he and Stan decided to to open up the office and to hire me as a general manager. And we basically learned as we were going. The extent of the market research that we did was to get a CCID report, which is one of the major analyst firms in China, where they looked at the business intelligence marketplace in China, and there were a lot of really big numbers. So I'm sure Fred and Stan were thinking, wow, if we got 0.5% of the market, we would be doing great. But of course, that's not the, the best way to do market research. Well, aside from getting a basic idea of what the total size of the market was, did you have any distinct expectations about the China market going in? You know, I don't know if we really had any clear expectations going in. I think we expected that we would be successful. We expected that we would find distributors, that they would find customers, and that we would sell the product. And I remember the first year, in terms of Fred, my boss, our CEO, he set the goal of becoming profitable in year one just to motivate me. And because he did so, I think that we ended up getting further in the first year than we would have if we would have had a more realistic expectation. Okay. Can you go back and tell me a little bit more about the product and whether in hindsight you believe it was a good match for the China market? Sure. Business intelligence is a technology that sits right above the database level. And it grabs data and then it combines them together in ways that provide useful analytics to managers and business analysts working within the company who are trying to make better decisions. I do think it was a, a great product for the China market, especially at the time. And, and even to this day, I think that a majority of the Chinese market is using foreign business intelligence products, not ours. <laughs> a very small section of the population is using our technology. There, there, we do have quite a few customers, but most Chinese companies are using foreign products, either provided by companies like Microsoft or Oracle, SAP. SaaS, a lot of the big name vendors who were in China before us and who invested big money to educate the market. When you think about whether a product is good for the China market, there are a couple of key considerations. One consideration is, is there local competition that has this type of technology? And in the case of business intelligence, there were some local reporting tools at the time, but they were far behind what we could do and what our foreign competitors could do. So this was one good sign. Another question is, is there data? Is the market ready for this type of product? And, and most people know that in China, there's tons of data. And even back then, when most companies were behind in their information system development, 
just because of the population and and the volume of data that companies had, there was a real need for business intelligence. So we didn't have strong domestic competition. There was strong market demand. And this is the type of product that would be very difficult to copy. It would take huge R&D investment and, and Chinese firms typically aren't willing to bet large amounts of money for long-term product development. Okay, so let me just recap what I've heard so far. Dimensional Insight is a data analytics software specialist company, and you have products that address analytics that cross different data stores. In 2003, the opportunity came up to establish some business in China together with the principals of the firm, Fred and Stan, and you leveraged the existing knowledge about interest in the China market. Sounds like you guys were all quite excited about it. You went in a little blind in terms of the due diligence, but there was enough information about the solid opportunity such that you were able to pitch this successfully to the company and the business was established in in China. Sounds like optimism was very high. Uh, The motivation to succeed was very high. And you had a product that you felt was going to be very successful for a variety of reasons. Yeah, that's right. And a lot of the reasons that I stated there weren't things that I knew at the time. These are things that I've thought about and I've learned later in my career. But thinking back, it was really a good decision to enter the market. Right. So having said that, can you walk through what happened after you established the business? Sure. We started in Beijing, and this was actually in 2006 when we established a representative office. That was the first move. I hired three staff, and that first year, we worked on localizing the product and getting up to speed in terms of how to use the product and organizing a few distributor training events where we would recruit companies that were interested in business intelligence who are interested in learning about our product. And afterwards, we signed up a few to be our distributors. A couple of those distributors got us into a few prospects. And by the end of the year, I believe we had already gotten a sale. So that was a good start. And not long after that, we decided to open up a subsidiary, which allowed us to do direct sales in the market. So if you're operating as a representative office, you can represent the headquarters in the United States in terms of negotiating partnerships, but you can't invoice in RMB. So all of the goods and services that we provided had to be provided out of the United States and the money had to be paid to the United States. We could not perform any services in China. So in order to really go after the China market, we needed to establish a subsidiary where we could build up our own services team in China and then bill 
our distributors or directly to our customers in B. So we opened up our subsidiary, but we chose not to do so in Beijing. We chose to do so in Guangzhou, which was kind of an interesting decision. I don't know if it was the best decision for the business, but it was to a certain degree, it was a personal decision because that's where I personally had family connections. And I think that to a certain degree as well, it helped the business to differentiate because we were a small business in China. And in South China, we didn't have any direct foreign competitors because they were all up in Beijing. And this allowed us to be probably the only foreign BI vendor in the local market. So I thought it was a, a fairly decent decision. Interesting. So you operated there for a number of years and I'm wondering if you can just characterize what the biggest success to date has been in China. So the successes would be around the ability to sign on distributors, sell to large hospitals, which became reference sites who had good names that we could point to and then be respected by other customers and partners. We hired a good team with very high retention. We hired Chinese consultants and sales staff that are still with the company today. I would consider that a big success. And we were successful in building up a brand name and being recognized nationally in China as a leading business intelligence company in the healthcare space. Well, those are certainly substantial achievements. What about the notable challenges? The first one that I can think of is the price. And we found out very quickly that the price for business intelligence software in China was much less than the price in other markets, especially the United States. And I would say that it was almost like a six to one ratio. So if we were charging a hundred thousand US dollars in the United States, we could only get about a hundred thousand RMB in China, which I guess made sense given the, the period of time, but our cost structure wasn't nearly as dramatic of a difference as the price difference. So where we were earning maybe one sixth the price, we were spending maybe one third. And so you can see how that might make it difficult to uh, run a profitable business. So the, the price was a big problem. Another problem was the, I would just say it, it's the expectations of a service company in the Chinese market. And the expectations to a large extent are set by your competitors and Chinese competitors work very long hours, and we set up a culture for dimensional insight in China that was similar in many ways to what the culture is like in the United States, where we put our customers and employees first. We believe that if we take care of our customers and we take care of the employees, the customer and the employee will take care of dimensional insight. And that's worked very well for us for 30 years. But in China, 
it's a little bit different. The, the culture is a little bit different. And because perhaps of the price and the cost dynamics in the industry, you have this environment where working for a software company is a pretty grueling experience for everybody involved, where you're working long hours, you're working well into the night, and you're struggling to survive. I think that's the status quo. So that was another challenge. And there are a lot more. <laughs> Give me a chance to think about it. It's a very hard market. Yes, I certainly understand that. I guess the one thing that can be said, it sounds like you were able to overcome what at the time was dramatically high turnover numbers. The concept of job hopping multiple times during the year as salaries increased was a phenomenon of that time frame. And it sounds like you were able to retain talented staff that you had invested in. And that's the upside of the cost of maintaining that American cultural ethic bubble in China. Yeah, absolutely. Being a foreign company at that time in the China market made it relatively easy to attract talent for that reason. I think that American companies had the reputation of being more generous to their employees, being a more balanced place to work. And because of that, a lot of people wanted to work with us. And when they got the job, even if we didn't pay as well as other companies all the time, they didn't want to leave. They got comfortable. That's a good thing and a bad thing, but I think it's more of a good thing than a bad thing because in the IT services sector, especially when you're learning the services of a relatively obscure proprietary technology, it takes some time to get you up to speed. And if our consultants would stay for two years and then to leave, there'd be no way that we could possibly succeed in the market because you can't go out and hire somebody to replace them. You have to train them up from nothing. Understood. My experience was absolutely the same. And, and I would bet, this is not an informed opinion, but this is my guess, that that's still the case, that the reputation of American and foreign firms in general in China is very high compared to Chinese companies, and um, uh, that probably still exists. But at the same time, I think that if you don't play by the rules of the environment, if you treat your employees better than the market will pay for, then you're going to be hurting in the long run. And I think that a lot of the successful Western companies that are in the market today have decided to hire Chinese managers and let them run their businesses as if they were a Chinese company. Yes. And I use the term American cultural bubble advisedly because I think that's, that's exactly what it was. Um, not necessarily a good thing. So looking back at the experience of starting this subsidiary in China, what are the, some of the things that you learned 
that you think might help others who are considering entering the China market? One of the things that I learned was the importance of localization. And I think that this probably is the most important thing for foreign companies to do when they go into the China market. And localization isn't just the localization of your product, by which I mean translating the language from English to Chinese. Localization means localizing your business model, your pricing, and your entire management style. Ultimately, for us, localization meant for me to find a Chinese general manager and to let that person run the company instead of me. And by making that decision, we've been much more successful than we ever would have been if I would have stayed and managed it myself. That really is the most important learning. China is a completely different market than the United States or, or Europe. And this market is best left managed by Chinese managers who you can trust. And it's not easy to find managers that you can trust, not because they're not trustworthy, but because of the cultural differences. And there are different expectations and standards of what trust even means between Americans and, and Chinese. So having said that, it was really good that I went to China and I spent as much time in China that I did. And I built long-term relationships with people because that really helped me understand what the Chinese perspective is. And it really helps today in terms of collaborating and motivating and being part of the management from afar. Another learning is that if you're thinking about going into China, you definitely need to have a long-term perspective. I think it's possible to go into China and to be profitable in the first couple of years. I know that some Chinese companies can certainly do so hit the ground running and be very successful. But I think it's extremely difficult for foreign companies to do this. It's going to take time to get your bearings and it's going to take time to do that localization and to establish a reputation because you are an outsider. And even if you are fortunate to find a partner who is well-respected, that partner's interests aren't necessarily going to be aligned with your own. So it's going to take time. And then learning number three is you got to make sure that you go in with enough ammunition. This isn't a market that you can go in with a couple of newbies or a little bit of money and expect them to be successful. You need to have a certain amount of mass it's an expensive market to operate in and the price is low in terms of what you're selling. So it's in many ways a more difficult market than your home market. So that's an important learning as well. And I guess to sum that up is you need to localize, you need to have time, 
and you need to have ample resources to be successful in the China market. Okay, very, very interesting insights on your experience. Tim, thank you very much for being a guest on the show today. You're very welcome, Michael. And thank everyone for listening. Music for the podcast is performed by the Chinese experimental rock band Choi Wan. We would love to hear your feedback, ideas, or any questions you might have. Feel free to reach out to us in any way you feel comfortable. Connect with us on LinkedIn or follow us on Twitter. And visit our website at chinabizconnect.com where you can view show notes and sign up for our newsletter. Please subscribe to China Biz Connect on iTunes or your favorite place to get podcasts. If you enjoy the show, give us a positive rating. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk with you again soon.